0: Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning, Riverwood. I'm glad you are here for those who are in this room, but also those who are watching online. I'm glad you're watching. Um, We're going to have a great conversation today centered upon God's Word. And let me start with this phrase. We can all finish the phrase. You've kind of heard it talked about so far, but the phrase goes something like this. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. We all know that to be a truth that we are clinging to. It's not how you start something, how you finish. For those who ran the Akron Marathon, it's not like you get to mile number 21 and you're like... Yes, I have done it. No, you must finish the race. Uh, For those who, I was talking to somebody about, I didn't watch the Buckeyes yesterday. I was walking in, and the first thing I said to that person, I knew they had watched it. I didn't say to them, so what was the halftime score? No, how did it end up? How did they finish? For those who are doing some home remodeling, any do-it-yourselfers, when you get to that project of doing drywall, It looks so wonderful, but really the finish line is, have you put the trim uh, back onto the wall? Have you finished the project? Have you gotten to the finish line? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. We know that to be true in, in many, many areas of our lives. And whether we want to finish well this semester of school, or whether we want to finish well our working careers, I mean, this truth of finishing well also gets to very personal parts of our lives. Like, we want to finish well as, as parents who have children. Mine are uh, 19, 18, 15. Am I almost done parenting? No, people are, la- people are laughing at me. Like, no, you have a long way to keep running there. That, I want to finish well. Um, I want to finish well and what it means to honor your parents. Like, how do you walk with those who are growing older? How do you finish well? I mean, how do you finish well in this covenant that I made um, to a spouse that said, I will be there until the very, very end? How, how do you, I want to finish well in, in marriage. All of these moments, we want to finish well. It's not how you start. It's, it's really how you get to the very, very end. And the truth is, Jesus also tells this story about the most personal parts of us, our soul our relationship to him, he describes in that same way. And he tells a story. The story goes like this. There was a farmer who had seed and he was just liberally just throwing it out. And the seed fell in different spots. And sometimes it fell upon the road and some of the seeds fell upon the rocks and some fell upon the weeds. And they sprouted and they looked wonderful for a moment But some of the seed fell in good soil. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, he ends that story by saying this. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Isn't that what you want? You want to finish well this race. I know you do. That's why you're sitting here. You want to finish well, and the the writer of Hebrews wants to tell you how you can finish well. And so that's where we're going to be this morning. Not about running the race, but how do you get to the finish line of this deep part of our soul, our heart, our spiritual lives? How do we get to the finish line? And there's going to be three essential things the writer is going to bring forth and he's going to say, hey, here are some things you need to include in your race. If you want to get to that finish line, here's some really essential parts of that. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a very important conversation. And um, one that's going to bring encouragement to many people in this room. One that's going to bring warning to many people in this room. And also it's going to bring challenge to every single one of us. I guarantee you. If you have ears to hear what is about to be said in the book of Hebrews, you will be challenged. And so let's open up God's Word together to Hebrews chapter 3. That's where we've been in this journey um, so far. We have gathered, if you're new to our church, we gather every week to hear the opinions of what God says in His Word. We're not gathering to hear the opinions of Coltani. I'm helping be that message, um, but really we've gathered to say, what does God, what is He saying? And so when you see it on the screen, and when you see it for yourself, I want you to see like, oh, that's what the Lord is saying to me. And in the book of Hebrews, uh, it says that his word has the ability to cut all the way down into the areas of our heart and do that kind of work. I use the metaphor like God's word is like a scalpel in the hand of a surgeon. Nobody ever says, yay, surgery, I love it. But it's something we need, and this might be that moment Um, The surgeon is going to cut into a deep place of your soul this morning. And so let's be open to that um, as we open up God's Word. So Hebrews chapter 3. If you have the booklet or if you have uh, a Bible, it will be on the screen as well. This is what God's Word says. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. All right, so as we read the first word of the passage, it's a good reminder for all of us. He says, therefore. Therefore is a linking word. And many times I know we like to dig deep into these words and parse them out but the writer is reminding us that there is a flow of argument that is happening here. Therefore, he wants you to know what happened in chapters one and two. So now he can say, therefore, and what has happened in uh, the first couple chapters is that, that Jesus, he's reminded us, he is the spoken word of God greater than that's the the series theme that jesus is greater than greater than angels we saw that in their in in his power in his position as the one who is the the founder of our salvation and here we go again that theme is being uh, again pressed into us that he is much more greater than and he's going to talk about moses and we'll get to that in a moment All right, so the word in the text that the writer uh, wants, the readers, uh, the brothers and sisters, notice what he says, the church is who he's talking to. He wants them to be finishing well. And in the first verse, in the ESV, he simply says, consider Jesus. It's a little bit of an unfortunate translation because I think in our cultural English idea of consider, Consider is something very optional. Like, you look at a menu, like, are you going to consider eating the enchilada or the taco? Consider that. Uh, Who do you want to vote for? Consider these uh, different options. Uh, Just consider, and there's really no strings attached. If it isn't your thing, by no means uh, should you go any further with it. No worries. That's how we see the word consider. That's not what's happening here in the text. There is a much deeper connection. For those of you who are looking at a a NIV Bible, I think they do a little bit better job. And the translation in there says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Think very, very carefully. Center down your minds. And there's a much more intentional and serious and deliberate idea there. Now, to get a sense of the word, Let's see how Jesus uses the word consider. Notice this out of the Gospel of Luke. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. In the Gospel of Matthew, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not consider? That's the word there. Do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Fix your thoughts on these things, Jesus is saying. He's making really strong points about ravens and logs and eyes. And he's not saying, eh, consider these things. If it's not your, don't feel it today, then don't worry about it. No, no, that's not what he's saying. That's not how he's, how he's using the word. He's saying something that should saturate our ideas, that should dominate our minds. And so for the original audience, it seems as if they were fixing their thoughts. They were dominated by the idea of a hero in their past. Who was it? Moses. Moses. Why were they so infatuated with Moses? I'm going to show you a picture of, I think, the reason why. This is Michelangelo in the 1500s sculpted. This and it is called Moses. And you can notice in one hand he has uh, the tablets in his right arm, in his left arm he has a very pastoral bicep showing. Do you notice that? You notice that? It's funny, people laughed last hour too. I don't know what that means. Anyway, so you can tell he's sitting and he's looking off in the distance like, I'm ready to go and do. I'm ready to lead people into the Red Sea and all beyond. And this is why the people loved Moses. He was the greatest prophet. The greatest. I mean, he led them out of Egypt. He was their lawgiver. He was the one that did so many incredible things for them. And at the very, very end, the synopsis of Moses is this, that no one ever performed the awesome deeds that he did in the sight of all Israel. No one. Hero! And they were infatuated. He captured their thoughts. They had fixed their thoughts on Moses and the law and how wonderful and Now the writer of Hebrews is about to step on some toes. Back to the verses. You notice what he says. He says, yes, um, Moses was very faithful. I'll give you that. But Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And to drive this comparison even further, he uses a metaphor. He says, "Um, Moses is like the servant of the house. Culturally, you would have someone who would welcome guests, who would wash their feet, and do all of the menial tasks. Okay, that's, he was very faithful. Moses is kind of a servant in this story. But do you know who Jesus is? He's the son. He's the one who has uh, the connections to the Father, uh, importance, there's status, there's power. Moses was glorious, but nothing compared like Jesus. One commentator said it this way. I think this is really fantastic. Moses gave the message of God to the people, but Jesus is the message. He's just a messenger of the one who is the message. And so they were Fixing their thoughts upon Moses 2,000 years later, what are you fixing your thoughts on? Maybe even onto your smartphone. Fixing our thoughts, fixing our attention. We are so glued. That's one example. Maybe you have fixed your thoughts to your political heroes. Oh yeah, and I'm going to vote for, and they're going to bring this change, and this is going to be great, and... Or maybe you have fixed your thoughts to some kind of American dream. If I only owned this, and I had that, and we have fixed ourselves in our culture to all of these heroes, and they dominate our thoughts, they dominate our time and our affections. All of these things of herodom. And it's interesting, in verse 6, the writer is challenging the people and us, the ones who call ourselves followers of Jesus, and he's really saying, are we fixing our thoughts and affections on Jesus? For we are a part. We, we are a part. Now he's saying we, we, we. We are a part of his house. And then he says something very shocking. And it's a very small word, but it's there to grab your attention. Don't miss it. If, if, if. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope, if we cling to and stick to this boast we have in the hope, our hope is Jesus Christ. And there's this conditional language that he puts in there that he's he's wanting to make us feel uncomfortable much like Jesus was making people feeling uncomfortable talking about a story of seeds on the path and so the first essential that he wants to kind of bring to our attention about finishing well we want to finish well i want to finish well and and we want to persevere to the end it's an honest assessment about where is our mind where are we fixing our thoughts and the greatest way to help us in this journey is to fix our thoughts on god's word remember the whole thing is about jesus From Old Testament to New, it's pointing us into the direction of a relationship with Him. Very rarely do I ever have somebody in my office saying, I am deeply invested in God's Word, and I am wandering far from Him. That combination rarely happens, just so you know. But what does it mean to fix our thoughts upon him, our minds upon him? And so point 1 is this. If we want to be people who finish well in faith, which I know we do, are we consistently fixing their thought or consistently fixing their thoughts on Jesus Christ? And the question really is are you? Like are you really are you invested in his word? Are you invested in Fixing your thoughts upon him. When you get up in the morning, are you giving him thanks? Are you spending time with him? Or are we infatuated with the heroes and the idols of our lives? Hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. The seed that perseveres. You want to finish well. All right, point one. Point two. Let's see it in the text. Verses seven through 12. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And the writer says to the church, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Leading you to fall away from the living God. All right, so once again, uh, as one commentator said, Hebrews is the most Old Testament New Testament book. He's leaning into our understanding of the Old Testament often, and here's another example. He's quoting much of Psalm 95. You can go back and kind of see like, oh, that was a psalm that was really challenging people to not have hard hearts, and the context of that, it really is even going back even further into uh, the book of Numbers, and it, he's telling the story of the desert years. You remember the, the glorious moment when When Moses led them from Egypt, yes, here we are! That then turned to a lot of these words here. Rebellion. Testing. Generations that went astray from God in their hearts. And the end of the story for the wanderers in the desert was that many of them had hard hearts that didn't persevere in the desert moments They did not make it to the land of rest. That's the whole point of these verses. They didn't didn't persevere. They didn't finish well. And what was the cause of this? Or what's really the root issue? He says it right here. It's all built around what was happening in their hearts. They had hearts of unbelief. Which then leads the writer in verse 12 uh, to talk about that same truth with his congregation and he's using that same illustration ah yes the desert years like life we're living a lot of our years right here in the desert years they're hard difficult a fallen world's broken where's God there's rebellion that wants to seep in there's going astray that is tempting there is sin that is plaguing and he says Take care. Beware. Be careful of the the junk that is seeping into your heart, which by its very definition is trying to drag you away. And at the heart of it is the heart. An unbelieving heart. We're not talking about the sprouts that look good in the moment. He's saying, are you going to be there to really walk the distance he even uses more kind of language of condition for those who are not going to fall away are you going to fall away from this are you going to finish well all right so point number two is this people who finish well in faith have hearts that believe in jesus and i know what you're thinking you're like i believe in jesus of course i do I want to pause and just pull over because the way the New Testament uses the word belief might, again, be a a way that you might not connect with the idea of belief. Belief is getting the right answers on the test, crossing off things on a list. Oh, I believe that, I believe that. that, all right, I'm done, right? I believe. That is not how the New Testament uses the word belief, just so you know. The idea of belief is intimately connected to, yes, uh, understanding truths that then lead to an action of obedience. Those two things are intertwined. They're almost assumed to be true. Like if you you believe this, you will do it. It's not just mental assent and then you do whatever you want. These two things of of mind and heart are, then carry through to our actions. Jesus would say this often. If you love me, you will obey my commands. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans often uses the wording of obedience of faith. He winds these things together. It isn't as if our, our faith is based on what we do, but it is the outpouring of what God has done in us. When we have a relationship with him, we are transformed. We are new. I mean, the metaphors go on and on and on of how we are to be different. An obvious example of this is is what's going to happen this afternoon in this room. This afternoon, we're going to be doing a wedding in here. It's going to be a beautiful moment. A young couple, they're going to stand up here, right here, and they're going to look each other in the eyes, and they're going to say, Promises. Till death do us part in poverty and in wealth and when we're healthy when we're not so healthy I'm gonna be there till the end and they're gonna say these things to one another But we know that the belief of that isn't what is going to happen in this room this afternoon The belief of that is going to be what's going to happen a month from now a year from now 10 years 20 30 That's the the belief part of it. Are you going to actually be there to do these things that you are promising to do? See, it's not just about saying the right things and then doing whatever you want. It's about living it out. And so this is this idea, um, this, this thought that people who finish well in faith have hearts that believe in Jesus if you're going to finish well, do you have a heart that, a heart of belief? The question is, do you? And as Jesus would say, uh, as the seed is sprouting and growing, there is fruit that is bearing from the vine. Again, these are things that Jesus reminds us of. The Apostle Paul, the New Testament. You're going to finish well? Are you going to finish well? Then there's something about your mind and there's something about your heart. Be careful. Watch over these things. But then there's a third one. This one's very exciting. Verse 13, notice how he continues. He says, but, 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 but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our, if indeed, if indeed, if, if, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So this third essential, you want to be someone who wants to finish well? I know you do. Then, I'm going to talk about the third one, give it to you, and then talk about it a little bit. But the third truth is this idea that people who finish well in faith are, and, secondly, around exhorters. Now, what does that mean? Now, we have another word we have to define. I love the word exhort here because it means to encourage But this is also the same word, just so you know, in the New Testament to describe the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. I am not saying that you are the Holy Spirit, but I am saying that when you trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells within, and you are now led by the Spirit you are are controlled as you listen to the Spirit. And what I am saying is that now our lives have the, the fragrance of the Holy Spirit to now benefit one another in the church. We are to be the ones who are lowercase Holy Spirit to one another. We are the ones to be the exhorters We are the ones who, to be the encouragers. Why is this so important? This is important because life is difficult and hard. It's very discouraging. And many people think to themselves, Why would I keep running this race with Jesus? And that's the exact moment you need someone to come alongside and exhort you to say, Keep running! Keep running! I know you want to quit. Keep running. I know it's difficult. But I want to be present with you. I'm going to walk with you. Shoulder to shoulder, as you are limping along, I'm going to be here with you. Why? Why is that so important? So that we get to the end. It's, it's too easy just to be the sprout that looks great for a moment and then checks out. What does it mean to finish well? And that's why here at our, our church, we talk about getting into a group of people to grow together And why that is so important. Now you know why. Here's a great reason to be around others who can encourage you in the race. That is very difficult to run. If you're going to run it by yourself, there's a lot of discouragement and wandering. We need the community. We need each other. The brothers and sisters of the church, young and old, multiple generations. Last hour, I looked at a woman and I said, Thank you. She's 87. I said, Thank you for running the race. We need those people out ahead that are saying, Come on. But the reality is, I don't know when that next moment is going to be when the race will end. I'm looking over here at a lot of young people. I don't, we can't guarantee they're going to make it to 87. So, how do we how do we care for finishing well now? We surround ourselves with exhorters. At the same time, look to see how we can exhort one another. And even pastors need exhorting. I will tell you, one of the most discouraging moments of my week is Sunday afternoon. I don't know why, but every Sunday afternoon I think to myself, well, that was the biggest waste of time. I'm sure nobody was listening. And the enemy keeps whispering into my ear these things. And so it's interesting that even during the week, uh, even this past week, someone wrote me a note to exhort me. Thank you for that. Thank you. We all need exhorting. It now has given me a renewed vision to say, how can I exhort others? Because we need those people in our lives. If we want to be the people who are going to finish well, in faith. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. So I'm going to end with one story. In high school, I was part of a great youth program, great church. And the person who got me most interested in the potential of maybe being in ministry myself was the youth pastor of the church. Spent time with me. Allowed me to lead Bible studies and encouraged me to share my faith with my friends and incredible moments that then spurred me on to really consider this thing of ministry in college. But in my college years, I started learning the story of this mentor, this pastor who was now walking away from the things he knew to be true of Jesus Christ. It was painful. Why? And maybe this is just for a short moment. I kept praying that it would be. But as the years grew on, his steps away from faith were longer and longer. The distance between what he really adhered to was long gone Even to this day, he is someone who wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ. How is that possible? How is that even possible? He's a pastor. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. How are you going to finish? How are you going to finish? desperate prayer is that we would be a church that would hear the words individually and and even corporately on that day well done good and faithful servant well done I entrusted with you a little and now look what you're going to be entrusted with for eternity May that be our story. Again, a story and a passage of challenge, maybe encouragement, and maybe some warning for some who are listening today. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word to your church. And these are hard and difficult things. Oh, the passages of warnings in Hebrews just keep coming at us like waves in the ocean. And they're there to really wake us up. Because we can get sleepy and maybe even discouraged and and wander. And so Lord, I, I give you thanks for these words to your church. These are words for your church of Riverwood, for everyone who is here today. And so again, may we have ears to hear the things you want us to hear. Maybe something about what is really consuming our minds. Maybe something that we've really thought we've believed and we really haven't. Maybe an encouragement to be an encourager. All of these things, please press them upon the hearts of your people here. We pray this desperately in your son's name. Amen.